Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, not many days. Hence, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, would thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Amen. Amen. Father, what we don't know teach us. Who we are not make us, where we are not take us, to the glory of your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The only reason why Jesus could do the things he did was not because he was God. No, he didn't do the things he did as God. Then he would have been healing the sick right from when he was a child. There's no one ever record in history or in the Gospels that Jesus healed the sick when he was a child. Unless you choose to be reading the Gospel of Thomas and all those rubbish, <laughs> rubbish, fanciful fairy tales. And the Gospel of Gospel according to Philip is not a Christian message. Philip didn't write it. Gnostics wrote it. The problem with religion is the more religious you become, the more likely you are, you are going to search for Satan. Wow. Because Satan uses the path of religion to, the, to, make, to draw people to himself. The, the more religious people try to be, the more intolerant they become. If God was intolerant, you wouldn't be alive. Right? If God was intolerant, there's no way you have opportunity to sit, sit in church. He would have killed you before you even come to church. So you can't be godly humanly. Naturally godly. The, the more religious you attempt to be, the more phony, fake you are likely to be. Many religious people are fake. They are, they, are, they are not genuine about their feelings. They are not, because you, you have to wait to look formidable. To look humble, but you are really not humble. Bible said, in self, Colossians chapter 2, in self-abasement, self-willed worship, sense of humility from verse 20, 21, 22. A form of humility that is not really depicting God. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and 
in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. So what that? The neglect of the body is like they punish their body, that they don't actually, they don't even wear makeup. Or if I wear makeup, I'm, I'm sinful. But no, 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 God doesn't like it. In what way does it affect God? That's, that's, that's what religion leaves you with. And it's so repulsive for people who can't meet your standard. Because it's so intolerant. And you must, wo- you must wear that facade before you are accepted into the clique. Uh-huh. You have to wear it. It says that uh, false humility, put that scripture on the screen again. It says that self-imposed, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Like what I was teaching this morning. This morning I was teaching some things about how you have to mortify, kill the members. The passions, the fleshly desires of the body. Deal with it! But these people have it away, a form that is not able still to deal with the flesh. He says that they have a show of it, but it doesn't deal with the problem of the flesh. It takes a walk with the spirit to deal with the problem of the flesh. So, religion has its own set of norms that make you look. Bible says in Second Timothy chapter, yeah, Second Timothy chapter three, verse five, they have a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but deny its power. He said, from such people, turn away from it. What's the power of godliness? The Holy Spirit. You can't mortify, you can't put to death the desires of your flesh by yourself. You are not disciplined enough to be able to, to work with God closely by yourself. Excuse me. Your discipline level, no human being has that amount of discipline to be able to work with God and to subdue the desires of your flesh. It's there. The things you like don't change. You can master. You can be so assertive. I won't do these things. But after a time, it will sneak out. But to mortify it, it takes by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, if you, through the Spirit, if you, through the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he says that if you live according to the flesh, you die. You are killing all your potentials. Killing all your opportunities, killing you. You are walking but dead. There's nothing that. After a while, you just, you just feel so empty, dry, drained. Wow. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But the problem is, none of us is able to live against the flesh. You are flesh. He said, My spirit will not do, strive with man again for his flesh. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. He is flesh. We are flesh. And now he says that if you live according to the flesh, so what, 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 what am I supposed to do? He said, but if you, through the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he said, but, but if you, by the Spirit, if you put to death, you can do it. You can put to death the desires of the flesh. How? By the Spirit. And it doesn't mean like you do it once and that's all. No. Every day. Every day. It's like when you put your flesh on the altar, he crawls back away from the altar. Every day I have to push him there. And he crawls back. All of us, including bishops and popes, I popes are not part of it. I mean, okay, including whatever. 
if you are genuinely in God, you have to constantly deal with your flesh. People are tempted in different areas. Do you know what was tempting you yesterday? Maybe it might not tempt you. It might, might not be the temptation last week, but yesterday now it became a temptation. And when you finish service, what will be tempting you today might be different from what tempted you yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. It takes the spirit. Now, Jesus said to them that tarry, wait in Jerusalem. Don't go and preach until you have received the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus himself couldn't do anything. He couldn't. You can imagine this is this is a big shocker that Jesus, almighty God, became a human being and he couldn't work miracles without the Holy Spirit. Wow. There are two aspects of the Spirit. The essential aspect of the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit that makes you a child of God. So when you become born again, you receive the life of God and the Spirit of God. Okay, that's what allows and afford, makes you afford our ability, gives you the ability. So it says, if you by the spirit mortify, okay, and the scripture says that um, the spirit himself, verse Romans 8, verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit. Romans 8, 15, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So we actually have received a spirit. But this 15 is emphasizing on what kind of spirit we haven't received. So if you are in Christ, you have not received, he said, we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, daddy. So when a Christian is saying, Lord Jesus, Father, it's different from when someone who does a religious person saying, Father. Wow. When you pray, oh Jesus, when you are calling God, you are not calling God from your mind. You are calling God from an experience in your spirit. That's what Christ, being a, a, a child of God is. When you're a child of God, God has worked himself into your spirit. So from your spirit, when you call, Father, it's not actually from you. There is the seed of God inside you that calls, Father. Yeah. Who teaches you how to call on the name of God? No, it's the seed of God in you. So we have received the spirit of God, which is whereby, by whom we cry. You see, so we cry by that spirit. He said, because you are sons, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, because you are sons, that means because you are children of God. The Bible employs this phrase or this word, sons, not in a gender-sensitive way, but as a child of God. So when you hear the sons of God, the reason why scripture uses the sons of God is because according to the Jewish tradition, inheritance goes to sons. That's why usually, you don't usually, is the um, certain other cultures that are not biblical in approach that try to change it, but it's, it's for them. But biblically, it's a father that names a child. And you 
bear your father's surname biblically. Right? Okay, let's go to Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him. And who is the him? He created he, male and female, created he, them. So that him was male and female. That's why when God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it's not good for Adam, to, man to be alone, he made deep sleep follow him. Where did he get the woman from? He's already created him inside. Created, he created everything. So he went to, into Adam and pulled out a woman. So sometimes when he's talking about him, it's not about gender. It's both male and female. Does that make sense? So Bible says that because we are sons, never change it to say we are daughters, sons and daughters. Sons and daughters is misrepresentation of scripture. You are even safer to say because we are children. But children, you have gone below because it's not for children to inherit. It's some. The, the inheritance is passed on to some. I said in Romans chapter 8, uh, um, yeah, verse 17 and verse 18, he said, We are sons. If we are sons, then heirs. And then, and then Galatians chapter 4, verse, I think, from verse 18, 19, 20, somewhere, they talks about how. When you are a child, you just need tutors. But when you are a son, when they be mature, then the inheritance can be passed on to you. So usually, the inheritance is not given to you until you are of age. When you come to a certain age, you can a two-year-old boy's parents die and left him billions in their account. They can't give it to him. They will put him under governance. Then when he's now of age, they can let him have it. It's his, but they can't give it to him when he's still a child. Okay, so even when we use the, the word children, it's understandable, but really technically it's below the mark. So when it says that because we are sons, it's more a technical language. Those who are uh, uh, qualified to inherit everything. So now, having said that, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. Yeah. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son where? Into your heart. And it's the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. So Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. Say adoption. adoption. Say adoption. adoption. So originally, you are not a child of God, but you have been, ad- oh, come on, Jesus, this is good. We have been adopted. I was not born a child of God, but I have been adopted as a child. When you are adopted, you have all the benefits of a, a, a natural child. I'm adopted. So in Ephesians chapter 1, okay, yes, thank you, chapter 1, verse 4. Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto adoption as Children, no, as sons. He has, pre- but when you read, when you read the New Living Translation, that's where you begin to see the differences of the quality, the technicality of the language. So when you read the New Living Translation, it's likely to say something else. Bring to yourself this way. He wanted us to uh, give. What is ado- okay? Adopted us as his own family. I bring it. So you see, miss the son. That's why I don't use New Living Translation to teach. Because 
it lacks certain technical, legal terminologies. So you use a term, you might think I get it. But when you go very technical, it's missing a lot. But when you read it, it's, it makes sense. He's advanced, in advance, he adopted us into his own family by bringing us uh, to himself through Jesus Christ. Where is that? He has made that sense. But what he said is also true. So when it comes to even studying from God's word and being taught the things of God, there is a meat level and there's a milk level. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Why? For until now. Give me King James. King James used the word milk and not with meat. <laughs> children don't really chew meat. They don't have teeth. Uh, infants. Toddlers. A mother giving toddler shaki. <laughs> It's child abuse. <laughs> so there's, there's a meat dimension, or the meat there means solid food. That's why the New King James uses solid food. So there's a solid food dimension in teaching of God's word, and there's a milk dimension in teaching of God's word. Right? And it's important. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, 13, it said, By this time, when you ought to be teachers, you need, it's like you need to be taught again. For by this time, when you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have need of milk and not solid food. Did you see that? Yes, so when it comes to teaching of God's word, there's solid food dimension and the milk dimension. Mm. Now, the milk dimension, when you really want to go the revelation of Christ and the revelation of the church and the revelation of who we are in Christ, when you stay with some of those translations, you miss a lot. That's why no serious teacher of the Bible stays with those. But some don't even quote it at all. Some don't even accept it at all. They, they just don't quote it because it's not worth their time. Is, is it bad? No, it's not bad Bible. But it's, it's not, it, it doesn't, technic, it's weak in technicalities. Are you learning something at all? So, that's why I personally have slight challenges when I see a pastor who only quotes from those. It's called translations, not even versions. They are called translations. So, New Living Translation. The other one is even not a translation, it's just a message. <laughs> now, the reason why, I'll explain the reason why. It's, I've forgotten the name of the one who did it. I mean, it's, it's such a brilliant. Sometimes, you know, when you read from it, it has a way of bringing the thing alive. And it's very fanciful, but really not technical. It's very fanciful. And it helps. It's the same idea that is being explained. He wanted his, his children to just understand the Bible himself for well. So he took it and translated it in a language that the children could understand. Simple language. Which to a certain extent makes sense. But when you want to be serious with God and go deep, you don't stay on those things. Pastor, have you got message Bible? I've got quite a few of them. I've got New Living Translation. I need it. Because when you are reading some things that the English is very complicated, yeah. I just want to go to the message and get the actual idea behind what is being said. Now, it guides me. Then I come back and, okay, now I know where he's trying to say. Yeah. Let me see the technical message really there. Yeah. So you, you just need them. You just need them. That's why every now and then I use them. Okay, let's see how he puts it. Yeah. Because it gives us to get the picture a bit clearer. Because it's been broken down so that it's you are able to assimilate it easily. Yeah. It's like someone who um, 
is in hospital coma, something. They feed him, but not through meat, food, no. Someone in intensive care or half dead cannot eat meat. It, it, it's, most of them are fed intravenously. Else they inject the food into their throat. They like porridge. So they can, the system can take it. That's message Bible for you. <laughs> so you can chew. All right. But so when you read some of those versions, you see children, you see all that. It's not bad in itself, but when you look at the thing in itself, you are missing something. Now, he said that because we are sons, God has sent forth. How did you become sons? Because we were adopted. Adoption is a good thing. Adoption. And God did us so much favor. His own. He didn't even wait for us to be born. He predestined us unto adoption. He having predestined us to adoption as sons. That's like Jesus Christ to himself. According to the... Uh, do you know that statement? Just like when it time I read it, according to the good pleasure of his will, it's that, ah, you know sometimes you do something and you're happy. Like those of you who are very neat, when you clean, you tidy up your room. You have able to put everything in you. Ah, you feel so to them. Like some of you don't even, don't even know what I'm talking about because your room is like, <laughs> you know, so sometimes, when you do something so well, you are so happy with yourself. You sit down and look at it. I like um, excellence. So let's say I'm just doing some, even DIY. I like DIY, a bit of DIY with some excellence. So let's say I'm, I'm installing a curtain. I install it. I buy this from there. I buy it. I put it there. I fix it nicely. And it's so nice. And then I sit back. I look at I like nice things. So I just observe it and look at it. When I walk past what I've done, I just look at it. Ah. And you know, there's some satisfaction that comes with it. The same way God, when you go born again, God said, yeah. So, you see, people who knew your former life are, won't, are worried about the bad things you have done. And they, and they know you. And they, they just, they take you for granted. But God, you are born again. It's not the fact that, mere fact that you are born again that moves God. He actually planned it. Ah, he planned it. Watch it. He planned you to be adopted as his son. He predicted before you were born. So when now you found yourself in Christ, and then you say, I want Jesus. I want to do this. God said, yes! Satan said, oh no! But he adopted us according to the good pleasure of his will. Ah, he's so happy. You don't know how happy heaven is to have you in church. Heaven, forget about your history. Heaven doesn't care. Because we want to mend people. We are dealing with a lot of broken people. But we will never give up, give up on you. And you are, you are not good for nothing. You are good for something. I don't care what, how, your, how rough your history looks like. Still, God can do great things with your life. Yeah. 
amazing thing. Sometimes God likes the God likes recycling. Yeah. Salvage. He will pick what has been thrown away and turn into something beautiful. And then show the world that not many noble, not many wise. God has chosen the foolish things of this world. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26, 27, 28. God has chosen the foolish things of this world well, to confound the wise so that no man can boast. So you don't have to have a lucrative history. All you need is a good heart for Jesus. And God can do a lot with your life. Let me just continue from where I stopped. I've said a lot of things, you know. Now, so Jesus said, the Bible talks about the spirit of God. Jesus couldn't do miracles without the spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. God, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost. Not with just oil. With the Holy Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. He anointed him. He anointed Jesus. The, the, the Holy Ghost himself. It's like this is the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Ghost. And God takes the Holy Ghost and puts the Holy Ghost on Jesus. When the Holy Ghost came on, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. You can't do the work of God without anointing. You can't. If Jesus couldn't do it without anointing, why would you attempt to think? Not do attempt to even think. You can do it without it. You can't do it. You can't, you can't do without anointing. You cannot do without anointing if you want to work for God. Or if you want to God to do something with you. If you want God to do something with you, you cannot do without the anointing. And the anointing is the presence of the Holy Spirit upon a person. It's a presence. And the anointing is a presence. A presence. You are doing something and you are generating a certain type of result, but the result is not just from you. It's, from the, it's dependent on the presence. There's a presence with you. And the presence makes things happen. The presence makes him happen. And what I like about the Holy Spirit is he, he just sticks with us until he's grieved. Wow. Or he keeps working until he's quenched. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. You can quench the spirit. 19. Do not quench the spirit. You can quench the spirit. So then, Jesus Christ needed the spirit. So he told his disciples in Acts, the scripture I read, Acts chapter 1 verse 4, that don't leave Jerusalem until, oh, and said, he said, let's already learn from the screen. Let's go. And Wait for the promise of the Father in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He said, You shall be endued with power. 
Why? Because the work of God can only be done with anointing. Anointing. Which, what's the anointing? The presence. He said, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because there was a presence. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 38. There was a presence. Say, I need that presence. I need that presence. Say, I need that presence. I need that presence. So, last week, I spoke about how to tap the anointing, tap the oil. Oil is important. So that means that if you want to shine, the scripture says it's the oil that makes the face to shine. It is not makeup that makes face to shine. It's the oil. Oil to make his face shine. Oil. When we say oil, it's, well, when we say oil, it signifies the anointing. It's the anointing signifies the Holy Spirit. And anybody who wants to achieve unusual fits in God, the number one thing you need is oil. The anointing. Invest your life in building oil rig, Holy Ghost oil rig. <laughs> yes. So you look for where anointing is. You look for anointed messages. You look for anointed preachers. Keep listening to them. And you, you, you read your Bible. So I'm showing you how to build the oil rig. Number one is what? Prayer. Prayer, Prayer is the most effective rig. Number two? Impartation. Huh? Impartation. Two ways of impartation. When hands are laid on you, some things, are t- some things tend to be transferred into you. Yeah. That's how it works. When hands are laid on you, some things. It says that don't neglect the gift that is in you, through which was given to you by the laying on of my hands. What? First Timothy chapter four, chapter four, verse fourteen, and then Second Timothy chapter one, verse six. 1 Timothy 4.14 It says that do not neglect the gift which is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the what? Laying on of hands. Bible says in Acts chapter 6 from verse 3, it's not desirable for us to leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore seek amongst yourself seven men, or men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost and good reputation, wisdom and reputation, whom we, are, we will appoint for this matter, but we will constantly, continually give ourselves to the word of God and prayer. And the Bible says that when they had heard this, it pleased the multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then they mentioned the rest of the names. And the Bible says that whom they said before the apostles, and when the apostles had laid their hands on them, and they prayed, and, and, and when they, they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. That's all. That's what it took to be an officer in the kingdom. They prayed and just laid their hands on Receive them. Receive it. And the anointing came on them. Then Stephen began, as Stephen began to do miracles. Stephen, where did he get it from? Apostles had laid their hands on him. Wow. Yeah. 
Did you see that? Stephen, after they laid hands on him, this guy started doing great. Say great. Great. Great signs and wonders and signs amongst the people. He was anointed to serve, to serve food. Food. To hold it. Okay, you your turn. Bring your ball. Okay, next person, take this. He was anointed. But that anointing for service, because this man was full of faith, the anointing for service came with anointing to do great things. So don't underestimate any opportunity to do anything in God's house. Nobody becomes great preacher right from the onset. I'm serving many major different capacities. Different capacities. Before, I'm serving you in this capacity. But you want to start, you want to enter the office from the sky, the top of the skyscraper. <laughs> you have to go to, where, have you ever seen reception at the top of the, no, reception is at the entrance. At the entrance. You want God to use you greatly, learn how to serve greatly. Serve like you are nobody. So they placed their hands, they laid their hands on these guys so they can serve tables. It's tables, listen. Read your Bible. It says it's not desirable that we will leave the word of God and serve tables. Serve tables, it's there. Distribution of food. The 12, someone, the multitude, and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God this way and serve tables. Tables. There are some people who can do it. And someone, they chose him because this guy is a good guy. And when they lay hands on him, he actually got an anointing that apostles were operating in. Wow. Wow. They got the anointing. And the anointing was shown. Philip was one of them. And Bible said Philip went down to Samaria, the city of Samaria, and preached Christ there. Shook the whole place. Why? Because hands have been laid on him. You can't extract anointing if hands have not been laid on you. Please don't be mistaken to think that I just went to Bible school and came and stood here. It's proximity to anointing that determines your oil. Yes. As I said on Thursday, some of you don't have any oily friend around your life. All your associations are with very dry people, like Ezekiel's bones. Dry! Please, choose some oily friends. Oily friends. Choose some oily friends. You can tell they are pursuing oil. They don't care what offends them. Offense. See, when you want oil, the career, whatever it does, is fine. People go up by revelation. Yes. Without revelation, you are grounded. Oh, yeah. You only fly by revelation. And we said, I went. I went up. How? I went up. How? Go for revelation, my brother. Yes. Else you are wasting your ministry timing. Your ministry is on a timeline. Much of it is flat because you are not going for oil. Mm. It's the oil that makes Lack of oil that makes ministry flat. Mm. 
Next time somebody asks you, so how is it that your church is attracting a lot of young people? How is it that your church is having so powerful services? How is it that everybody wants to listen to your pastor? When you are hungry for the Holy Ghost, you become like a vacuum cleaner. You suck in the Holy Ghost. And when people are hungry, you can see from their demeanor. You can see from their expression. You can see sometimes you are so hungry, you forget, you've forgotten that you are standing in the crowd. Oh, forgotten. Hunger. Hunger there is not talking about physical hunger for food. I'm talking about desire. When you are consumed with the desire, anytime you see some people kissing on the bus, it's hunger that is working. They are so deep, they are so consumed with desire that they are practically sucking each other's tongue on the bus. Hunger. And when you are are consumed with the desire for the Holy Spirit, he will always be drawn towards you because he can't say no. He can't withdraw when you are hungry for him. So Jesus said, if any man tests, let him come to me and drink. John chapter 7, verse 37. If any man, on the last day of the graveyard, if any man tests, let him come to me. When you are testing, blessed are they that hunger and test. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they that hunger and test. The blessing is in the hunger. Not the satisfaction. Some people are full. You can stay full. But some of us are very hungry. Oh! And we can't, we can't fake it. We won't fake it. See, when you are very hungry, you don't fake it. So, when you are hungry, you actually don't really care so much about what anyone thinks. If you really fall in love with somebody, sometimes it doesn't matter what they are saying. That's why it's getting very difficult for your ex-friends, your former friends, to interfere with your church life. They seem to be underestimating your hunger for God. You are trying to stop someone from pursuing God because you have underestimated the nature of their thirst for God. Wow. They are so, this your former boyfriend is so hungry for God, you coming to church will not change him. Wow. It won't make him come after you anymore. This your former girlfriend is so hungry for God. You coming around to drive, show new cars, and it's not going to move them. They don't care because something greater has. Yes! Hunger. When you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, there's no way you stay away from it. Holy Spirit doesn't have what it takes to stay away from people who are hungry for him. He won't stay away from you. When you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, it influences everything about your life. Your decisions, your demeanor, your direction, your devotion, your determination, and your drive. You are hungry for the It affects everything about your life. That's when we can talk about your hunger. How kind of hungry, hunger is this where 
you see, you have options. Mm, I don't like puff puff. But that's, that's the only thing that I don't eat puff puff. That, that's the only thing available. You see, you are not hungry. That's why. If you are very hungry, you will eat the mashed potato like that. Yeah. Yeah. You say, I don't eat. I don't like curry goat. When you are hungry, you even eat curry monkey. Curry monkey, you eat curry monkey. You know when people are dying and maybe they are in the wild and they don't have food or maybe maybe something has happened and maybe a plane crash or something, they are not dead. They, they can, some people even eat the shoe leather. Yeah. Hunger. When you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, you don't care who is trying to catch that boy. Let them take it. Mm. Oil you want. When you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, you are always looking for opportunity to be close to the anointed. Yes. You are always looking for the opportunity to, to honor the anointed. Yes. You are always looking for an opportunity to serve the people of God. Yes. Whether your father is in favor or your mother is in favor, you don't disrespect your mother, you don't disrespect your father. This thing has captured my heart. Yes. You used to be in that church. You are no more. But me, I'm, that's my church. Yeah. When you are hungry, you will lose friends. Yes. Because some people will think you are doing this thing too much. Sorry, it's not me. It's my hunger. Yes. Look at people who are hungry about football. They will go anywhere, pay any price. But when I'm hungry about Jesus, I'm hungry for oil. You are looking down me, you are telling me I'm doing something too much. Get ready, I'm not about to even do. If you want oil, someone shout oil. God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.